tuned into Toby Talks, episode 29. From house calls to children's books, Dr. Charmaine Lawson is transforming healthcare. As a human race, one of the things that we can definitely relate to is health. No matter where you're from, no matter your background, your age, whether your health is good or bad, that's something that as a human race, we all can say we have in common. But if that's true, then shouldn't our healthcare be more diverse? Shouldn't our healthcare include everyone? And shouldn't our healthcare represent everyone? Here's a food for thought. In the US, we have over 3 million nurses, but yet minorities only represent less than 25% of that. So what are you doing? to make sure that you are including everyone in your delivery of health. That is the food for thought. My guest, Dr. Charmaine Lawson, is a true definition of a nurse who is transforming healthcare. Not only being the first nurse who started house calls, serving an underrepresented community in Louisiana, especially during the time where our nation was hit by one of the biggest disasters, she doesn't stop there. She goes and creates an amazing children book that is reflective, inclusive of African Americans and different cultural backgrounds. I was awed during my interview. And you know what? I'm so excited. I don't even want to share all the goods. I want you to hop into this conversation. So let's go ahead and just jump right into it. I want you to tell me, how did you even get into this field called nursing? Like, how did you start off as a nurse and and where are you now? Like, what are you currently doing now? Well, I like to tell people that I started as a nursing assistant, but that's not entirely true. My first job was actually flipping burgers at Wendy's. Come on. So <laughs> that, was, that was my very, very first job. And I was 15 and I just needed to work. And I just said, look, I need, I need to get a job. So Mm -hmm. I started working at 15. And then as I, you know, got along further in high school, I got into a nursing assistant program through high school that allowed you to take the nursing assistant courses. And once you graduated, you know, as a senior, you officially were a nursing assistant and you had your certification and everything. So I went through that program because I always felt like I wanted to do nursing. I was always interested in the sciences. So I said, well, nursing would probably be a pretty good fit for me. Let me try the nursing assistant course and see if I like it. And so when I did that, I really liked it and it just sort of whetted my appetite and I said, look, I want to go further. And so from there, I did my DSN and then I just got really hungry. I'm probably one of those people who sort of love school, (laughs) like most nurses. You know, we like always have 10 jobs and we're always in school to get like another degree, right? Mm -hmm. So. I'm that terminal school degree person. It's like, I can't have enough. So I I did my master's and then I went and did my doctorate. And so now I'm like, okay, what's next? 
I'm not sure is there anything higher than a doctor. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything else. So I actually, I just said, well, I'm going to stop going back to school because I got to start utilizing what I've learned. <laughs> so, so I, what I'm going to do now is just keep creating. And that's what I love about creativity and innovation. You could just literally keep doing it without going back to school. And I'm like, well, hey, I should have thought of this a long time ago, you know? So that's where I am now, just creating, creating, and doing more products. Wow. So when you were, when you went through, you know, all your various um, <laughs> degrees, so when you went <laughs> through all of them, did you also work in between or was it kind of like, okay, I finished this one, but let me go back? Because what I'm learning about oh. a lot of nurses with doctorates is y'all kept going and going. It's like the knowledge oh. was just so yeah. engaging. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you, you know, again, most nurses, they say don't work while you are going to school. But is that really realistic? Mm-hmm. Because most of us will have families and most of us will, of course, have a car and you'll have, you know, apartment to pay for, these sorts of things. So what I did, though, and, and, and this is how you've got to be smart about it to so everybody, like, turn up the volume and get real close and listen is that get your pants what I did, yeah please 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 what I, what I did was I became a travel nurse so mm. travel nursing cut a lot of my expenses in that I didn't have to you know pay rent I didn't have to do a lot of things that a lot of people probably would have would have had to do because I was on travel assignment most places I went. And when I went to these places, I went to school at the same time. So, well, duh. Yeah, I did travel nursing, got paid through that, got my apartment paid for, and I was going to school Mm. all the way around, right? (laughs) See, that's smart because I did travel nursing, but I wasn't in school um, when I was doing it. I graduated as a nurse, so I didn't go back for any higher um, higher degrees. But nurse, I mean, doing travel nursing is so true because they do cover your living. They cover everything. Everything. So you can be getting money and going to school and living your best life. Wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I always tell people, you know, have your end game, you know, insight, in view, like, where am I going to go from here? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Because travel nursing is, is what it is. It's travel nursing. It's really... It's to me, it's like, okay, assignment, so assignment, so assignment. So I look at that as, um, well, well, this is going to be sort of like a pre-entry to something else, right? Because I'm not going to just be traveling all my life. So that's how I look at travel nursing. I mean, I love, love, love doing it. But for me, it just served as a position to get to something else because, you know, in a lot of cases, most hospitals and agencies and, you know, organizations that are using travel nurses, they actually have a need and, in, in you know, a dire need if they're mm-hmm. going to take big bucks travel nurse, right? So a lot of times you go through these assignments and they suck. And, you know, people aren't nice to you. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're on these units and, you know, it's just, I could go on and on without naming names, right? I go on and on mm-hmm. about some conditions, you know, you work in on the floor. So... That alone, like, propelled me and, like, put some fire in my hustle. And I was like, look, I am, I know I'm not going to stay on these floors working like this and these conditions, you know, 
treated, yeah, been treated in the manner that I was treated mm-hmm. in a lot of times, treated a lot of times. So I said, you know, I'm going to go to school. So I took a travel assignment to Nashville. Well, actually, my first, very first travel assignment when I did my BSN was to the D.C. area. And I totally, totally, totally fell in love with the area wanted to stay there for a very long time, almost stayed there forever. But six years, I was like, well, you know, uh, <laughs> I got to, I got to, I got to do something right. So mm-hmm. um, had some personal things. My grandmother was with me actually. So I was probably the only nurse in America who was traveling with an 89 year old grandmother. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, she raised me, and we just decided to travel about the country. And wow, our first stop, cool. was, yeah, was Baltimore, and from New Orleans, or NOLA, NOLA to Baltimore. And we stayed there until she passed, and we we didn't really get a chance to travel much because we enjoyed, you know, the tri the tri state area so mm-hmm. much in DC, Maryland, Virginia. So we, we didn't really go anywhere, but while we were there, we got a chance to see a lot of the, the area, and she got a chance to own her first home. Wow. So it was very, very, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, rewarding to live on the East Coast and to, um, you know, pursue some of my dreams being um, in the D.C. area, and that was during, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. So... First of all, that's amazing. I think you're the, probably the only person who truly did travel with their grandmother, 89, because <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anyone. I That is so awesome. Let me tell you, I could probably write a book <laughs> about that. And I will be reading that book if you decide to, because uh, that's a good story. I would love to hear that. Like, how did that even like, how did that work out? You know, like, how was the... Right. You know, how was the living situation? What was she doing when right. you were at work? Was she hanging out, you know, at the seniors' house, you know, drinking? Yeah. No, what was she doing? Partying? It was something. It was something. It yeah. was something. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, though, um, because you said that was more in the 90s time. So during your time in nursing school, just to kind of table back a little bit, were there any challenges for you while you were in nursing school? I mean, was it, you know, the way nursing was taught was it the exclusion or inclusion in the program like were there any challenges that you had to overcome and face while you were in the program before you got into you know where you are now yeah yeah certainly so when I started my BS and the biggest challenge for me was that whoa whoa this this is college I had done really well in high school I was you know, top four in my class out of like 500 or so people, you know, the top 10. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, you know, I'm going into college on scholarship. I'm going to totally ace this. This is easy breezy, right? And when I got there and started getting the assignments and the books and, and having to juggle that and, and, and juggle personal life, it was honestly quite overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really was. It was it was really really overwhelming. I went to HBCU here in New Orleans, and I, I think that that was a strength for me, you know, being a person of color, you know, because yeah. there I found that I received the support I needed um, because I was coming from you know broken home. My grandmother raised me. I was coming from the projects, and I was the first one in my family to you know go to college or even graduate from high school. So I had a lot of um, just 
um, negatives, a lot of stressors, mm-hmm. a lot of things that were like already against me, you know, so I found, you know, warmth and, and, and love and acceptance in the HBCU environment. And I'm not saying that had I gone to another school that wasn't HBCU, I wouldn't have received that. But I'm saying that during that time, that's the nurturing I needed. Um, and, and that's what helped me because while there, I, I, I had a lot of challenges. I was still living in the project. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just, um, it, it was tough. It, it was tough. I, I dealt with a lot of things at the time that I wanted and, and I really couldn't get. And, you know, at that time, you know, time you're in college, rather, you're in your 20s, you know, so late, eight, you know, late, you know, teens. Mm-hmm. So, you know, peer pressure, pressure was there. So I, it, it was, it was tough. It was a struggle. Um, it was a struggle, you know, completing my assignments. It, it was a struggle, you know, managing my dating life. Um, it was, it was a struggle just, just, you know, getting on the bus every day. It was tough doing that. And, and I just, I'll never forget that, you know, and I think that now with, with all of my successes and all of the things that I'm able to accomplish now, I think honestly, and I've never admitted this anywhere else before, but I think that that's what, that's what drives me. It's like, I never ever want to be in that position again. Mm. I was so uncomfortable and sad, you know, so many days because I was like, I can't do this. I want to give up. But I remember my grandmother, we were still together. Like, we, yeah. she was still with me. She wasn't 89 then. She was, like, in, in her 80s. But still, it's like, look, you got to do this because not only, you know, are you doing this for you, but you've got your La Familia, your family, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, to take care of. So I, I wanted to take care of her because she had raised me, you know, all those years when she was a senior citizen. So I'm like, you know what? I can't give up. I, I want to. You know, I'm not going to say every day because I had a lot of happy moments, mm-hmm. you know, while I was in college. But a lot of times I wanted to stop because it was just so, I think seemed just insurmountable, yeah. you know. But I'm just, I'm glad I didn't because, um, you know, look at me now. If I would have stopped, I never would have gotten to this point ever, you know. So that's mm. what I needed to tell everybody out there, you know, who who wants to stop, who feels as though, you know, a lot of odds are against them and things seem insurmountable because a lot of times they do, you know, there's light coming, you know, there's light coming, you know, you can't stay dark all the time. You eventually have to see the light and it's coming just sometimes it's obscured, you know, and and, and you can't see it, but if you hold on, it's there and it will appear like a miracle, you know? I mean, First of all, I appreciate you for even sharing that. I, it's, yeah. I guess it's just a refreshing thing to hear because a lot of times, especially when I was in nursing school, everything you said was exactly how I felt. I mean, I, yeah. you know, fam- family, you're dealing with family going through things, health issues, finances. Yeah. You know, I'm in nursing school, yeah. I've been five jobs, trying to figure out my date in life, trying to, I mean, I think we have figured out 458 ways to create ramen noodles in college. Exactly. You know what I mean? (laughs) And having to like, I remember one time there was times where me and my close friends, like it was our menstrual cycle and we all had to divide pads. Like, look, I got four, you got what you got. I got heavy. You could, I mean, you had to make it work and you wanted to give up. But when you gave up, what else was your option? There was no option. (laughs) So there is no option. And I'm glad that you're sharing that because I think sometimes 
you know, there's this illusion that you get into nursing school, you made it, but it's like, no, you're in nursing school and life is still going on and you still have to overcome right. those challenges and just keep pressing forward. And it's not easy. I mean, I mean, I went to school right. with tons of international students who left everything they knew, uh-huh. you know, and are paying yeah. twice as much yeah. as I'm paying for school just to get this education. Yeah. So it's very yeah. important to, to hear stories like that and to hear that this is where you are now or this is where I am now because we didn't give up because the tunnel and that light in that right. tunnel did come, you know, and we're still right. Right. pursuing more. Um, man, that's yeah. so awesome. I, I'm, I'm so appreciative of you sharing that story. And I wanted to kind of like hop into all the amazing creative things you're doing <laughs> now. My gosh, <laughs> I just don't even know which one to start. Do I start at the house call or do I start at Nola the nurse, the book? But before we even get into those topics, how did you, how did you decide at, in, in your career as a nurse that you were ready to just venture off into entrepreneurship and do your own thing? Like what did that entail? Did you quit your job? Did you do, like, talk to me about that. Because I know a lot of nurses are kind of at that point right now. They have so many innovations and ideas, but it's so hard to balance a full-time job and to also balance your creativity and how you want to, you know, change the world with that. So how did you do that? And where did you start? Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's a, that's a great question. I'll try to give you the short answer. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess the short answer would be, I never sat around and said, no, I want to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to do that. But when I look back on my life, particularly my career as a nurse, I see subtle hints of the entrepreneur there. And and just one, one example was for most of my career, particularly after I um, became a travel nurse, I was just pretty much an independent contractor. Mm. I would work float pool and, you know, just tell them, you know, what unit I wanted to work on. So those were early seeds of independence that I enjoyed and, and, and really risk taking things and skills that I was cultivating earlier because early on in my career, because, you know, if you're going to take a job as a pool nurse or take a job, even as as a travel nurse, one, it's risky because you may say, well, these are my dates. This is when I'm available. This is where I want to go. But chances are you may not get it. So I took a risk early on. I was early on taking risk in my career with, you know, hey, signing on for some things that I may not get and saying, well, you know what? I may not get paid. Not that it didn't bother me, but the fact that you want to take the risk and risk everything that you may not get paid, you have mm-hmm. to pay your rent, you know, that, that, that's, there's something to be said about that. So, you know, I, I've thought about that a lot, you know, even lately, you know, how did I get to where I am now? You know, what, did I always want to be an entrepreneur? The answer is no, but I've always taken risk and I've always said, you know what? I want to try it. I've always been open to try different things and new things. I've never been one to say, you know, I just want to stay here in New Orleans and work, you know, on med surge forever. <laughs> That's not me, you know, At all. But, so let me just say this. I need to say, I need to say this. There's nothing wrong with the person who decides that, who says, you know what? I, I just want to stay here in Salt Lake city and work on, you know, pack you and be here, you know, seven to seven 
forever. Mm-hmm. That's you know, there's, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. You know, there there's a, a spot you know, in the universe for that person as well who wants to do that. I mean, we need, of course, more people who want to you know stay on the unit and take care of patients because you know if everybody did what I did, who would be on the unit? Right? Exactly. So um, <laughs> I'm just saying that's that. And so that's how my story started. I, you know, I did just wake up and say oh, I want to do it. But I had early signs of being a risk taker, which is so important in being an entrepreneur, and had early signs of just saying, you know what, I'm going to be creative with my career and make creative career choices. And these are some early things that, you know, you can look at in yourself and say, you know, do you have the, um, you know, the capability to want to be a nurse entrepreneur and you look at yourself and say you know are you a risk taker because it takes a heck of a lot of risk to be an entrepreneur okay are you a creator are are you an innovator are you know and these are things you have to ask yourself because i have a lot of people who come to me and say well you know i want to do this and do that you know and i was like well you really have to kind of drill down on some of the qualities in yourself, and, and I can't do that for you. You know, you're the only one who can do that and say, well, you know, well, well, let me take a look at Toby. You know, does Toby, you know, does is it okay if, you know, she starts a business and she may not get paid, but you know what, all her employees will get paid. And mm-hmm. you have to be able to say yes. That that answer has to be yes. You can't waver. You can't say, oh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll pay them next week, but in two weeks later, then I'll get paid. No. Mm-mm. The answer always needs mm-hmm. to be, my employees <laughs> will always get paid with their benefits of 401k and everything else I promised them all the time. Even though me as the CEO, big balls, big baller, won't get paid. That you need, And you need to be okay yeah. with that. Yeah. Wow. So if you can't answer that question, you know, and be really authentic with your answer by saying yes, then you're not ready to be an entrepreneur because that's a big part of risk taking. But then more importantly, you're not ready to have employees, you know, because you can't be the type of employee that will say, well, you know what, I'm going to get a check and you guys, well, you know, sorry, Charlie, you know, you Uh, you all have employees. (laughs) Right. That's exactly. It. Exactly. You won't be voted, you know, best employer of the century, you know. Mm. So, you know, it's just you, you've got to do a lot of um, self-inventory before you get into it, because it's definitely not for the faint at heart. And it's definitely not for someone who um, wants to play it safe, you know. And when you say self-inventory, do you mean like, you know, also investing in your dream and your idea? Because a lot of... um a lot of the creativity that comes about with wanting to be an entrepreneur or starting your own brand or building who you are, it truly is investing in what you already have. So when you say self-inventory, can you talk a little bit more about what did you do or what did you have to do to start investing in yourself and, and, and building up your, your brand before you, you know, have now gotten to the level that you are now? Sure. Yeah. And that's, and that's a great question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before, but that's great. Hey, today's a great question day. Come on. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So yes, you do have to, you know, first of all, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe that your dreams matter and that your ideas are worthy of sharing to the world first and foremost. 
we have to get past that. And that may sound really simple and like, you know, dreams 101, but honestly, a lot of people are not there, you know, because they don't believe that, you know, their art, you know, is worthy of being in the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. Or they don't believe, you know, that they've, you know, written a book that can now, you know, hey, get them the Pulitzer Prize. You know, this is the type of dream and believing that you need to have. You know, you can't just say, oh, well, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get up today. I don't want to do it. No, you got to be driven every day. So let's bring it back to me. So I like to call myself an unlikely entrepreneur because even though I had those little seeds and streams of being, you know, innovative, creative with my career and taking risk before I became an NP, once I became an NP, I still took some risk, but I realized the higher level of responsibility I had with really, really being basically in charge of someone's life. Mm. So things changed a little bit for me in that I wasn't less of a risk taker, but I kind of became more calculating with it because I realized then that, whoa, the stakes are higher. I now have a DEA number. (laughs) Okay. You know, um, I can prescribe, I can, you know, write orders and people listen. Whoa. Okay. Now I gotta, I gotta slow down a little bit and and let's think this through and let's see, you know, let's do another self-assessment. Let's see where, you know, things are. I gotta get a comfort level. So once I got comfortable being an NP, then I said, okay, then I branched out and said, you know what, I'm going to do my independent contracting again. So, and you know, here we go again. So I'm following the same course that I followed as an RN, but now as an NP, I said, you know what, I'm going to do some independent, independent contracting. And so I ran into a doctor and this was in 2004 who was at the same time saying, you know what, I want to retire. I have about 15 patients or so that really need, some home visits, I've been seeing them in the home. And, you know, if you want to see them, I'll, I'm, I'll gladly give them to you. You don't have to pay me anything. I can collaborate with you and that sort of thing. And I said, hmm, wow, opportunity. I, I never thought about, you know, like making house calls, like going to the home. You, you know, yeah. I'm getting ready to date myself now. You mean like Marcus Welby? You know, and and she was like, yeah, like you go to the house, just like you know, you would do as an RN, you have home health experience, right? I like, yeah, I had tons of home health experience working in Southeast DC and, you know, just doing a lot of things with, with home health as an RN. So it wasn't a bit of a stretch, but now, you know, of course came the responsibility of being an NP. So I said, wow, I get to actually provide primary care in the home. So I get to do holistic care, treat the total person and assess the environment. Wow. Yeah. I, I think I want to wow. try it. And so I started seeing, yeah, I started seeing her patients in the latter part of 2004. And I still wasn't sure if I, if I really wanted to um, make it a full business. I just, I was just kind of like, you know, just trying it out a few patients, you know, a few this weekend, a few that weekend, it just kind of refilling some meds, that kind of thing. And I still had my full-time job, um, which was with a a local MD who actually, when I say full-time, it was basically, I was 
independently contracted with him basically five days a week. I could totally make my schedule again. There's my creativity again, right? Mm-hmm. So he let me totally make my schedule and do what I want to do, and that was perfect for me. So um, I then began seeing patients more as he said, well, you know what? If you want to give me three days, fine, I'll take three days. So then I started using two days to see the patients that she had given me. And slowly but surely, this was in 2005 now. Um, So in 2005, in March of 2005, I had started to see enough, whereas I said, you know what, I think I want to, I think I want to do this. I I think I want to make it official and start my business. So I started Advanced Clinical Consultants in 2005 in March and, you know, got my LLC did everything through the Secretary of State, Louisiana Secretary of State, and, and get my tax ID number, and, you know, everything I needed to do to make the business official. And so that was in March of 2005. And then in August of 2005, that's when, of course, we know, world's biggest natural yeah. disaster ever, ever, Hurricane Katrina. But by then, I was up to 100 patients. Wow. I had amassed, yes, 100 patients from this little community in southeast um, Louisiana with, with all these patients who were, you know, mamas, and dads, uncles, and what did they say, parents, and nanans, and, you know, all these people <laughs> who were related, you know, in the community, you know, the post office, the post office workers, everybody, you know, just like, oh, my God, you're providing the care we needed community and it was in a rural part of Louisiana and I was so happy right I was like yes finally I'm home literally physically everything right it was amazing but then of course of course we know what happened Mm -hmm. but the beautiful thing that happens a lot of times with tragedy and with hardship and things like that is that there's always a rainbow remember there's always a light after the darkness right Mm -hmm. there's a beautiful light darkness because Katrina was a dark moment but the beauty of it all was that I was able to and fortunate and blessed enough to come back to New Orleans two months after everything had been wrecked here so I got back here in October and I hit the ground running searching trying to find my people and I was able to find them and try to locate them and, and get records because I had everything digitalized And that was the one thing, too, speaking of innovation. I had everything basically on my Palm Pilot, again, dating myself, but it was on my Palm Pilot. And that was basically my early entry into the EMR world. Everything was there. So I was able to come back and start seeing my patients. And, you know, most of the hospitals, they were, you know, basically shut down. Yeah. They didn't have records. Wow. Right. Well, I saw records, and it was just pretty much like a little crypt. It wasn't anything elaborate. It was just like, you know, name, their birth, you know, allergies, you know, um, you know emergency contact, if, if they had a mammogram, you know, simple stuff. But it was enough, whereas if I saw you, I'd be able to say, oh, yeah, you're coming in and your level should be, oh, okay, oh, no, yep, you're on or whatever, you know, I was able to tell you what your meds were mm-hmm. and also communicate to other healthcare providers who are calling and saying your patients are here in, you know, South Dakota, they're here in Iowa. We don't know. They don't know their shell shock. They don't know. Do you have a med list? Do you know what their last A1C was? You and know? you had that. So I was you had that electronic. 
yeah, I had it. I had it. So that's that. And then when, and, and that was the light, the light was beginning to come after the darkness and that I was able to really help so many people after the storm so much so that by the time December of 2015, now remember I got here in October, right? The storm was in August. I returned in October. In December of 2015, I had 500 patients. Wow. Yes. Look 500. Everybody, everybody displaced, everybody, like 10, 12 people living in a house. You know, we're talking people, you go to the home, their roofs are halfway on, you know, we've got holes in the floor. We got people sharing, you know, the orange industrial commercial line to the other house, trying to get electricity from them. You know, it was just, it was, it was, it was a war zone. It was, it was, it was crazy, you know, and that's another book too that's coming. But, you know, my point is, is that the light was coming, the light was here and that I was able to be able to give back and share so much and that I didn't even think about what was going on with me. Didn't even think about the fact that, you know, I had to totally, you know, like redo all the floors in my home. Thank God I didn't have flooding in my home, but my office where I had started my practice, I had to like totally do that. That was gone. Mm-hmm. And so I had some parts well, but I, I couldn't think about that because I was so excited and so, so happy about being able to provide services and be a true servant. You know, you say, you know, you're going to nursing because you know, I want to help people. And, you know, to me, the epitome of being a nurse is, and the definition should always be, I'm here to serve. Yes. You know, and when you have an opportunity like that to come back and say, you know what, I want to help. And you can do it. And, and then, like, so many people get help. It's like such an amazing thing. It just is, you know, it's like, and Oh my God. Right yeah. You can, you, you, you know, you're like, Oh my God, I did it. I can really do something, you know, incredible to help people. And you're like, I didn't even have a lot of money. I didn't have like big grants and all this stuff. It's like, you know what I had, but I had some NP school. I had a stethoscope and a blood pressure cuff and I had a phone, you know, and I had a laptop. You know, and I just saw my people. I didn't have all this extra stuff. And people were, like, calling me and saying, well, you know, what about HIPAA? What about interoperability? What about all these like, all these fancy words? I'm like, look, honey, look, we're here in a disaster. People are not worried about that. They just want to know they care. Mm-hmm. You know, they just want to know that, you know what, you come in there and you're going to get them. They're like Centerpearl. You know, you're going to get them. They, they're, they're insulin. You're going to help them, you know, help them get to their FEMA trailer. This is what we're doing. We're not talking about HIPAA now. Let's let all that go. Right now, we're, we're breaking it down to the basics. We're here to serve. I'm here to serve. I'm here to be a servant. And everything else you think about later. So, you know, when you can get to that point and be able to do that, it's it's, it's really very uh, moving and life-changing. And I'm like, I've never been the same, you know? And that all started because you decided to take a risk. Like, and yeah. I mean... To be this, I never even knew like nurses, like especially advanced practice nurses could do house calls. You know, I never knew that was a thing. All I knew was nurses, bedside, hospital, that's it. I didn't know that you can venture outside. And it just seems like because you took that risk and even though in this tragic situation and opportunity of you being able to deliver health at that time was just, it was perfect. 
it literally was perfect. Yeah. And I'm just, everything I'm at all. Mind. You're right. Yeah. And it all started from taking that risk. Yeah. And it is scary because you it, don't yeah, know. It did. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how you're going to get paid. You don't know um, what's going to come from here. But the thing about your risk, though, was it wasn't that you just had to stop everything you're doing. You had an opportunity brought to you and you took that. That was yeah. the risk of taking that opportunity. That doctor saying, hey, yeah. here's my patients. Can you, yeah. you want to take them on? You know what I mean? Versus like, no, I've never exactly. done it before. I don't know. I'm kind of scared. I don't even think you had time right. to think all that. You just kind of jumped into it. I didn't. And, and I did. And, you know, I, and, and, I, and, and, you know, just to be all, you know, transparent, I, you know, I'm human. So I didn't really know her. I, I was really just meeting her, but I was curious. And so I said, well, you know, I was curious and anxious at the same time because like, I didn't know her. I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I didn't know the people mm-hmm. and I was thinking, Oh, you know, I'm going to have to go in this community by myself. And she's like, no, there's a nurse that lives in the community and she'll meet you. Like you guys can meet up wow. at the McDonald's or you pick a neutral place. You can go leave your car there and ride with her and go to see the people. She'll drive you and you'll go and you see the people and you, you know, basically it, it, it was a ministry. That's what it was. And I look back on it now. It was, it was a ministry because I was truly, you know, a servant, you know, because the community had no one, you know, so it was it was a truly truly life changing experience for me. Wow! I just yeah, whew, it's like giving me chills because you just don't you really don't know what kind of what kind of calling you're pulled into when as a nurse, you know, and the fact that right. you have to be ready to take on whatever could come your way and and just right. almost be hopeful that at the end it's all going to work itself out. And I'm so glad that you took that risk because you have just. I literally did not know that this was a thing. And you've opened so many doors to think about that, especially in communities, underrepresented communities. Correct. Where Correct. It's so hard to get to your clinic visits. It's so hard to get to the hospital. Yeah. It, you know, you're yeah. dealing with transportation issues. You're dealing with financial issues. I mean, that's stuff that I see right. quality nurse that, you know, we have all these missed appointments, you know, why did, you know, why, why right. is my clinic having all these missed appointments? Why are patients, aren't they making, why aren't they making it to their appointment? Well, we need to think about their situation, their community, their environment. Right. Do they have the means to get there? Do they have transportation? Do they have the financial means to find someone to take care of their kid, to be able to leave the kid, to come all the way? I mean, it's just so many Correct. things that come into play and so you are able to just come into their home, into their environment. So doing so though, um, cause I worked for a health plan that we sent out a lot of nurse coordinators to the homes to do their assessments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What kind of challenges did you face? You know, now that this is your own business, you know, being a, a, a house call, being on house call and, and being able to see patients at their homes, what kind of challenges do you face in these kind of situations? Um, safety wise, environmental, you know, and also as a nurse, you know, you come into environments that, oh my gosh, you wish you could just do so much more to help this family or help this right. community. So what kind of challenges do you see um, as a nurse who do house calls? Well, the, the number one challenge is safety. And that is something that is not to be taken lightly in any neighborhood you go in. And I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, well, I, I, you know, my, my patients, I, I make house calls, but, you know, they love, you know, 90210 zip code. 
or, you know, whatever. They, they, they live here, they live there. But, you know, last I checked, Rihanna's house was getting broken into, too. So, <laughs> you know, Hello. it doesn't matter where you go. Crime, you know, is everywhere. So the onus is on the provider, the nurse, going out there to be careful and, and, and just be smart. You know, watch where they're parking, not be on the phone. And in certain neighborhoods that um, I go to, not as much so now, but what we started doing was I started taking an NNP student with me. Oh. Or I would have, yeah, a medical assistant. Or, you know, we'd go buddy or I would meet the home health nurse there. So there would be someone else in, you know, the environment that was basically a hazard, you know, high drug traffic area or an area where it's, it's you know, in, in this case here being in, you know, the area of the hurricane would have just one house on the block and the rest of the houses are abandoned mm. or, you know, that kind of, yeah. kind of scary and, and only house on the block with electricity, all the other houses are abandoned and you have to drive down the street and there are no lights. So what are you going to do? Patient, patient needs the insulin, or, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, again, be smart. Don't go by yourself. Take someone with you. Let's focus. Let's be present in the moment. Let's not be on our phone. We don't want to have any distractions at all. You know, let the patient know that you're coming, that sort of thing. So that's the major, major concern that I always have. The other thing is, is that when you go into some someone's home, you always have to remember that what makes house calls unique is that when the provider goes into the home, the roles switch between the provider and the patient and that when the patient comes to see you at your traditional setting in your clinic, well, you know what? You're in control. You're in charge. They come to you and you get to say X, Y, Z. Well, <laughs> it flips in house calls. You know, everything is now in the patient's corner. You're going into their world. They're in control. So, you know, you can ask kindly, you know, you know, Miss Mary, can you put your chihuahua up? You know, <laughs> Miss Mary, can you not smoke <laughs> like two hours before I come? Because I don't want the smoke in the drapes, you know, all right. that. You can say all that, <laughs> you know, all you want. But, you know, the reality is when you get there, she's going to forget when you open the door, the chihuahua's going to come out and bite you on your ankle, and she's going to have a cigarette in her hand because she's all nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, she is. So, you know, it's just, yeah, so these are the things that you're going to deal with. You know, I've been chased by dogs down the street. Oh, my God. I have been, and I was wow. like, what? Was I running? <laughs> Let me tell you. You couldn't tell me I wasn't an Olympian. I was running running with my bag, stuff is still flying, everything, running to my car. Yes, I was. Dog chasing it. I will never forget that day. But um, anyway, what I'm saying is that, all jokes aside, is that in the home it's unique because you have all types of barriers. You have, you know, some some, some things that you may sit on, some, some people, some unwanted guests may come. You know, so Think of it as you're walking into basically a minefield. You don't know where you're going to step, but something's going to happen because you don't have the control. And if that's okay with you, again, back to risk-taking and being you know, an entrepreneur, if that's not okay with you, then you shouldn't try to go into the niche of house calls, provide primary care in the home, 
because it's something unlike you will ever experience in your traditional role as an MP, right? Because mm-hmm. you got to think on your feet if XYZ happens or if you get there and they don't have insulin or get there and, you know, this person, you know, doesn't have their oxygen or the oxygen is out or what, you know, it's, it's really not a job for a new grad because you've really got to be a MacGyver kind yeah. of nurse. Yeah. You've got to be able to kind of fix stuff right now. And bless them up. You may be in some areas where you don't have a strong tower to get a cell reception. So who's going to go? Mm. Right? On so top of protecting yourself. Yeah, you got it. You have to know. You have to be able to fix it or at least look like you know and at least not panic. And that's the key. Don't panic. It's all right. It, it's, it's okay. You got to you got to get help. You know, it's it. You know, so be able to do those things that kind of neutralize situations. And a lot of times, that critical thinking and ability to neutralize situations doesn't really come, you know, with a new grad because you haven't had enough experiences to practice. Not that you know you can't do it. Well, we know you can do it because you finished the master's degree and you passed the board. Okay, well, let's let that marinate. You can do it. Mm-hmm. But you haven't had enough experiences to teach you how to navigate the different barriers and the different hazards that will come in the field. You ha- just haven't had it, you know. So you know, you know it's, it's 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 it'd be unfair to say, oh yeah, you know, let a new grad go out there and do house calls. Well, you know, that's that's okay. But you know, house calls that environment presents a whole nother level, a whole nother layer of hazard mm-hmm. that you wouldn't see in a traditional setting. And, you know, that's important that you say that. And I love how you said that you actually bring like, you know, a, a new grad FMP with you. These are the yeah. exposures that I, I personally, and, and not other nurses, we wish that we were exposed to in nursing school in our clinical rotations, because all of our clinical rotations has always been in the unit. Oh, med surge, OB, pediatrics. But they've never really taken us outside of the hospital walls, unless you're doing community health. And community health, you just volunteer at a food shelter or a nursing home. Yeah. Why is that only community health? Why can't we be able to be assigned to a field nurse and see what that is like? Why can't we be assigned to a you know, improvement nurse or, an, or a nurse informaticist? And, you know, just be able to see the other options out there. And the other roles, right. The other roles. And this would definitely prepare them to see, like, wow, you know, as a nurse, you don't have your whole team environment on the field in these communities. You are by yourself. You know, in the unit, if you call a code, we got all these kind of people rushing in, everybody coming through. Correct. You know, or right. if something goes down, hey, I need some, I need some backup, I need help. But you are literally the only one on that field. And you can't learn You're it. it. Yeah, there's no training. Right. No one trains you no. for that. There's you no learned as right. you go. So right. how do, how do, how do new grads or nursing students who are potentially wanting to be in this kind of role, you know, how do they get exposed to this? You know, should there be other nurse practitioners that are doing house calls or doctors doing house calls, be able to let nurses shadow them in these environments to see what it's really like? Um, what are your thoughts on that? I, yeah, I, I do. I, I think that, uh, well, now there are more, I mean, since when I first started in 2004, there, there are more, nurse practitioners now who are providing house calls. Um, There are more physicians now who are doing the same or opening businesses and employing NPs to do the house calls. 
So there's a bit of a resurgence of the role of the NP in the home. Um, so finding a person who is making house calls will be a little better, but it's still pretty bleak because still to this day, where are we now? 2018. I'm still the only one. Well, there's another agency. I'll take that back. There's another agency here in the city with nurse practitioners that are making house calls. But in 2004, in 2005, when I actually incorporated the business, I was the first one to do so in the state as an NP. So that just shows you how um, far we've come, sort of. You know, like I said, now we're in 2018 and we have another company now in the area that um, has NPs that are, you know, providing home visits. But, you know, honestly, they've actually called me. They've sent their representatives to take my course to see... Yeah, to see how, you know, they can get into the market. And, you know, one thing I need to say, and this is something that everybody really needs to listen really close to, is that, you know, you can take all the training you want to take. You can do everything you want to do. But at the end of the day, your success is really dependent upon your relationships. Mm. Write that that down. Yes. It's dependent upon your relationships. So they were wanting to know, how did you get into all these communities? How did you get into these ALFs? Well, you know what? It's about my relationship. It's the relationship that I have developed. And, you know, fostering and, you know, getting a relationship with assisted living facilities and the directors, I mean, it takes work. It takes work. And and it it takes time to do that. So, but that's something a lot of people don't want to do that's why marketing is a degree within itself okay because marketers when they do they go to try to foster relationships but at the end of the day when this is your business you are the marketer so you and that relationship building is the most it's the biggest part you've you've got to do it so you've got to do it so you know i said at first somebody asked me aren't you threatened that they're sending their there, you know, there are people I said, honey, I am not threatened about them people sending their people to me. I am not. They have paid for the course, and I am going to give them the best course, even probably better than I gave you. I am not worried at all because they can't do me. Hell, whoo, girl, hold on. Let me take I off this to wig. Down too. That was people, deep. People will come and copy. They can copy all they want, but, but they, they can't do you because you're the only one in the world. Yes. Oh, somebody! Are you not the only one in the world? I don't know another Toby. (laughs) Ain't nobody do Toby. (laughs) I'm just saying, so people get so upset. I'm serious. This is very real right now. We, I'm bringing it down to the. I'm feeling it. This is people get so upset. Yeah, they get upset. You know, and they start saying, "Well, oh, you know, this person, you know, this person just started a a house call practice down the street, and this person." I said, honey, don't worry about those people. Can uh, are they you? They can, they can, they can even copy your binder, all your policies, and they can do all that. But they cannot copy your DNA. They can't, and how you do it, and what what flavor you bring to the table. I what? mean, I think they people are so caught up in that. You can't be so caught up in that. You really gotta like mind your own. 
focus on what you, you let that bring go. to the table. Mm. You got you to gotta let all that go and, and, and live and walk in your purpose and say, look, I'm going to do what I'm destined to do, and I'm going to do it to, to the best of my knowledge and to the fullest extent that I can do. All right. Now you're going to have your laws and all these things that will stop you from living your best life in some of these states. Okay. You're going to have that. Yeah, that's right. But for the most part, but for the most part, you know, you get a good doctor if you're in a state that allows you or mandates that you have to have a collaborator or a supervising physician. You know, you, you get a good doctor who believes in you, believes in your mission and wants to work with you, not against you. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing doesn't have go and all these all those little things that you know will bring you down get a good person who really says you know what i you know i believe in you know this community servant work as well let's work together as a team then there's nothing you won't be able to do it doesn't matter if your colleague starts a business up the street it doesn't matter you keep doing what you're doing keep giving the quality care and the good work and let me tell you you they won't be able to touch you they, they won't. They, mm. they just won't. Mm. And even with you saying that statement, I kind of want to turn the conversation because when you say that no one can do you, the fact that I, the only book I have ever like really read about with nurses and all that or whatever was Chicken Noodle Soup. And that was back when I was like in fifth <laughs> grade, sixth grade. And that's when I was like, oh, wow. You know, and it's just reading stories, never seeing a visual image of what it what someone looks like as a nurse, besides when you Google online and you predominantly see one race and you, you really don't yeah. know what it's like to be a nurse, you know, especially growing yeah. up. And the fact that when you said, do you, and you brought us a book for minorities in our field, my mind was blown. I was like, oh my God, it's a black girl on the book. And she got the throw out. And she got the, what? <laughs> I'm shook. I'm shook. <laughs> I was like, I'm shook. <laughs> because I just wanted to know like how, like we've always known that this was a need, you know, but to say to do you and do what is passion on your heart, you created a book for girls, young girls to see a reflection of themselves, to see a reflection of themselves in the healthcare field. Because in all reality, I think we highlight no, I love my doctors. Okay, let's let's make sure I disclaimer. I love yeah. doctors, but right. when yeah. all I see is doctors, 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 and it doesn't seem to highlight that. Oh, you can be a nurse, and this is what I look like as a nurse. This is what I'm going to do as a nurse. Your only goal is to pursue being a doctor. You know, especially growing up Nigerian, that was one of the top five things you're allowed to be: a doctor, a lawyer. Right engineer a pharmacist Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. a nurse if you couldn't make it to the doctor part and even if you're a nurse you need to go for your higher degrees because they need to have some other credentials besides just nurse so how did you like how did you come up with this idea of making this um nola the nurse book and i mean the series and everything like tell me about that because this is amazing i mean she got the high bun she got the fro out she just living her best life (laughs) i'm sure yeah and let me tell you it's NOLA, of course, is the acronym for New Orleans, Louisiana, so I need to say that. So NOLA is a nurse, I tell you, and, and I'm going to try not to get emotional with this, but NOLA was born because my my daughter, who, who's now eight, actually, when she was about, I don't know, 15 months old, I started saying, you know what, I want to build her a little library, so you know, she can have books to read. And I said, oh, 
you know what? Let me see if I can find some children's books that talk about the role of the nurse or the nurse practitioner. And I already knew about the lack of melanin in the kid-lit world, Mm. children's literature world. So I said, okay, but let me look, okay? Did my due diligence, did my search on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and didn't find anything. I found something and just... I don't know what it was, but it wasn't enough to whet my appetite. Whereas I said, I want to buy it. I want to, you know, put it in my library. So I said, well, you know what? I, I just, I got to do something about that. And, and mm. that's where the innovation comes. Whereas you want to fill a need and you're willing to make the sacrifice to fill the need. That's the other part of it. Because you can want to fill a need all day and never do it because you don't really move out of your seat and you don't put the energy and the resources behind it to make it happen. Right. That's a whole nother story, a whole nother talk. Ooh, but anyway, yeah. so I was willing, <laughs> I was willing to really, you know, get my hands dirty and start writing. I always love writing for creative writing in, in, in college. And, and so that's my background. I just, if I wasn't a nurse, I would have been a jazz musician, played trumpet all my life and whatever. That's another story, too. But the point is, so I do have a background in the creative lit in that world in that I love to read and write. Right. OK, so. I started writing and just, just writing about a little girl who wanted to be a nurse practitioner like her mom. Oh, right. Very, very, you know, okay, yeah, you know, very original. Right. So, yeah, but no, seriously, I wanted my daughter and it was really written for her with her in mind and other kids too, but her in mind in that she is darker complexion for me um and her hair is thicker another you know another type of texture than mine and I wanted her to be able to see herself in children's literature and to feel loved and to know that you know what mommy did it and you can do it too so it was written sort of as a book for her so she could see you know, loosely what mommy did. And so Nola is really, if you, if you saw my daughter, you would see, oh, wow. Yeah. Because when she was little, she wore like an Afro or she wore like the Afro puffs. Right. So I made sure that Nola, the character, the character of Nola was definitely darker and that she had an Afro. So there would be no mistake that she was mm, black. Mm. I wanted people to know that she was black. I didn't want them to look like some people look at me sometimes and say, mm, um, um, no, I wanted them to look at the character and say, oh, no. And mm. no, she yep. blackity, blackity, black. Yep. Yep. She blackity, black. So mm. that's what I wanted. Right. And so, and then the other thing, I always get called on this. People always say, well, you know what? She's got on a hat, a nurse's hat, and nobody wears white anymore. Honey, go on, sit down with all that. Okay. <sighs> so the reason I did that was because you know, everything needs to be strategic when, we, when you're being creative, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all sending messages as well. So I wanted people to, one, when they look at the character, immediately know that she's black and immediately know that she's a nurse. Immediately. So, yes, I know that nurses don't wear hats anymore. Okay, everybody knows that. I know that a lot of nurses don't really wear white anymore. Right? Okay, I know that. You know, but it's a character. Yes. And so you have to make your character larger than life. And then it needs to be immediately identified by children. So immediately when you look at Nola, oh, there's a black nurse. 
And that's the point. And here's the other thing. I'm going to put this out here. People always say, well, you know what? If she wants to be an advanced practice nurse, she's going to be a nurse practitioner. Should it say no little nurse practitioner? Okay, here we go. Yay. I'm going to go ahead and fix this too. I'm going to fix it. I'm fix fix it right now, okay? So the reason I said NOLA the nurse was because it was just a marketing thing. You know, NOLA the nurse actually had more of a ring than NOLA the nurse practitioner. And NOLA the nurse actually cast a wider net, Mm. meaning more people would immediately identify with, oh, nurse. But once you buy and purchase, click, purchase, click, 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 purchase, Mm -hmm. you will see once you read the story that not only is she a nurse, but she's a special nurse. She's an advanced practice nurse, which is a nurse practitioner. Right? Mm. So that's the whole thing. It was global. It was more, you know, of a marketing thing. And just, you know, it just rhymed better. No little nurse. No little nurse. It just rhymed better. So that was my whole thing behind that. And so then wrote one book and then again, loosely based on my life, when you mm-hmm. get house calls, you know, you go into a home, you never know what you're going to get. So my thing was Nola, you know, saw her mom making house calls. And she said, I can do that. So she starts taking care of sick baby dolls. But what she realizes quickly is that in taking care of her sick friend's baby dolls, she gets to the home, she discovers another culture. Every home she goes to, she's like, wow, this home is different. Oh, that home wow. is different. And that's just how it is when you go to someone's home. Yeah. You encounter another culture. So you need to respect that culture. You need to take off your shoes. You need to, you know, whatever you need to do. You need to wear, you know, hijab, you know, whatever. You know, you're going into another culture now and you need to respect it. Wow. So her first home that she goes into, she encounters her friend that's from Kenya. So she gets to learn a little bit about the culture, but more importantly, in each story, what's central to most families is food. So she gets a chance to eat a meal specific to each culture that she encounters in every story. So I wanted that to be what, because that's what really happens when every home I go to, they almost always say, you want something to drink? You want something to eat? Honey, I just made some red, be- red beans and rice. Honey, I just made some sucker tacos. Whatever they make it. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on, sit down and get some gumbo. You know, that's what they do. And it's central to family and friendship. And that's how bonds are formed. And that's how it is when you truly make a home visit. You become a central part of the family. You are the healthcare provider. So I wanted kids to not only get a small glimpse of what nurse practitioners do, people will read and say, oh, this is, this is a lot. This is like what nurses do. Well, look, honey, uh, this is just a small introduction of what nurse practitioners do. I'm just wetting the appetite or setting a stage, if you will, to what nurse practitioners do. Another level at another time will maybe make it a little deeper. But these babies didn't have anything about anything. what they can get anything like I there's no book that I could give my goddaughter about you know a nurse and a character that she could see in her you know reflection of herself you know and and they don't really know what nurses do they just think that nurses are the lower almost like a lower level of a doctor like oh you can be a doctor so you be a nurse you know they don't really know what a nurse is and every parent is striving for their kids to be a doctor because the credential seems bigger and you seem better and you seem more important 
But to see a book that really showcases what I do as a nurse and how I get to interact with so many different people and culture. And you're not just teaching them about nurses, but you're teaching them about other cultures that they get to meet. I mean, this is amazing. Right. Oh my gosh. Forget chicken noodle soup. <laughs> <That's so important. laughs> this is dope. It's so important. And then at the end of each book, I supply the recipe to the meal that was cooked. Stop. Oh my God. I can't. Yes. I can't. I you do. too much. I do. I, I wanted I wanted to do that because I'm like, you know what? I want to be different. I want it to have like a different touch. I want it to just, know what? You know, just be a little different. The kids are going to want to cook that in their family home. Like, mom, let's cook this recipe. You are just so. T- yeah. That's what I, I wanted. Say. I wanted, you know, I wanted it to be a little, a little interactive, you know, because I'm a mom and my daughter, she likes to cook. She likes to do these things. So it's geared for kids from four to eight. So they're kind of in that age range where they're curious. They want to be in the kitchen. They want to do things and they want to know about other people. They're looking at cultures and they're looking at people. Why does she look like that? Why do, you know, so it's important that we teach in- inclusivity to our children. You know, it's important that we teach them sensitivity about different cultures. And it's just so important. So, and I didn't see a lot of that. So I said, you know what, I, I am just, I got to do it, you know, some kind of way. So I've, I, you know, managed to do it. Now we have, we have three books that are out on the market in the series. Um, we, we have the first one, No Little Nurse, She's On The Go. And then we have the second one where as uh, with much, pressure from fans they wanted to see a male nurse they wanted to see someone with a disability they wanted to see the other APS so the the second volume is Nola the nurse and friends um explore the holly the holy fast yes so they're 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 exploring the holy fast and and the the whole culture of India and you know what the holy fest means to them and they get to eat chicken biryani and which is my favorite and their recipes at the end and they give gifts and it's 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 a happy book you get to meet you know charo the crna you get to meet maddie the midwife and bax the nurse so it's it's pretty fun that's probably like my favorite one yeah (laughs) and when you do this because this is just this is the breath of fresh air we need in our field, um, especially if you're trying to yeah. cultivate, you know, kids at the young age of understanding what we do and how they're going to be able to impact the world when they, you know, become adults and pick a career field in nursing. But when you are specifically writing about these cultures, do you, I know it's also a part of the engagement that when you do do these home visits, but are these um, uh, patients that you visit, are they incorporated? Or is this the information you're getting directly from them when it comes to your research and being able to, you know, talk about their cultures in each of these books and series? Is it from, you know, live from the horse's mouth or do you, are you also doing some extra research on the side? Like, how are you able to encompass all this into a story with NOLA? Oh, yeah, sure. Great question. So, no, they're, they're not based on any patients that I've met. They're just based on, honestly, just to be real, it's just places I've wanted to visit and things that have fascinated me about certain countries. Like I've always wanted to go to the Holy Fest and throw powder on somebody and have powder thrown on me. What does that mean? Mm. You know, like I've always, you know, been fascinated about, you know, Africa and the motherland. I've never been there, but, you know. Look, if Nurse Nola want to go to Nigeria, let me know. I bring her through. (laughs) I'll teach her about some jokes. Well, honey, you're going to have to have a conversation after this. Yes, we will. (laughs) You know, (laughs) but, you know, seriously. So, and, and I get that all 
sometimes like, what made you pick these countries? I'm like, you know what? There are places that I want to go. And so when I want to go somewhere, I'm going to do my due diligence and I'm going to look at, you know, the country and like, what does it have to offer? So for me, I looked up Kenya, the first, you know, country, you know, that's, that's spoken about. And it's like, you know what? Wow. You know, I, I would love to go there. And so I looked it up and found the recipe and, and found Matoki. You know, and I was like, wow, you know, this looks like a really great dish. It looks like it's sweet, it's spicy, you know, it's everything. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, this, this is something I want to incorporate into the book. So I find different things about the countries and I incorporate that into the book, into the storyline. And, you know, just things that I like, you know, and um, the one, the third one is, it's not really part of the series. It's a special edition that I wrote about um, Hurricane Katrina and it's called Nola's a Nurse Remembers Hurricane Katrina. And she's just remembering the story as was told to her by her mom because she wasn't born during that time. So her mom tells her the story of how they had to evacuate for the storm and how, you know, actually her mom came back with another nurse practitioner and kind of took care of all the sick baby dolls that were displaced after the storm. So she has all these baby dolls and then and, and Nola, you know, remembers her mom telling her that a lot of them were sick, but she repaired them and actually reunited them with their families. So it's a sweet story, you yeah. know, based on New Orleans, you know, and what we went through you know, back in 2005, and it ends, of course, with food. They're eating beignets. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I have oh, a beignet wow. recipe, uh, you know, yeah, so that was probably my favorite, too, you know, well, okay, they're all my favorite, yeah. So then, <laughs> <laughs> after that, I, you know, I started getting, and I kind of go on with people write me, you know, on the on the web, and, and, and in these forums, people started saying, oh, they, they wanted to see some other things, so I wanted to kind of cross do some lateral things so with the brand. So I then um, developed a whole series of activity books. Mm-hmm. So we have activity books now from um, for the ages um, pre-K through first grade of um, you know how to write their vowel sounds, how to write their numbers, you know sentence formation, oh. and just small activities. So we have six of those. And um, for the books, the actual books in the series, we have the accompanying coloring books that go with them. Because I said, well, you know, if the kids want to color their mm-hmm. story, particularly about Hurricane Katrina, if they wanted to color, you know, some of the storms or co- color, you know, some stuff, you know, maybe that may be therapeutic. I don't know. But it could still, be. I Very think it's so. nice, yeah, to have that as an accompaniment to the um, main stories. And then, you know, the cherry on top of all this whipped cream is the design of the doll. I designed Noah the nurse doll. So she's like the first NP doll on the market. Wow. You know, and she, you know, she's small and, you know, I've gotten all kinds of press. Oh, you know, bigger one. No, right now she's small and plush. And that was specific too, because I said that I could envision her, you know, in the hands or in the bed. She's small, you know, bringing kids who are sick in hospital comfort. You know, they just want to carry her around. She's almost like a rag doll size, you know, but she's a nurse. And it says Nola the nurse on the front. And I want kids to see nurses or the nursing profession, you know, as a symbol of hope and healing and comfort. So... 
you know, it's a small doll and I, and, and, you know, it goes with the book and, and it, I actually don't sell that one on Amazon. That's actually sold on nolodenurse.com. But, um, you know, it's, it's, there, there's a foresight to everything that I've done and, mm-hmm. and I just, I'm, I'm just happy about it and, and just happy to, to share it. And, and, you know, we've been going strong now since actually I wrote the first book in 2015. So we're three years wow. in and, and we just, doing, you know, more, we're just doing more things and, and just putting the brand out there more and, 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 you know, getting more recognition like this. And this is, this is great. You know, this is needed because I, as a nurse, didn't know things like this existed. And this platform is to showcase that nurses are more than just healthcare workers. Like we are out there changing the world, changing our perception, yeah. how we are viewed. Yeah. And that's important. And it's all because you took a risk. It's all because you had an idea, you brought it to life. And it didn't take away yeah. from your role as an NP. It didn't take away from that. It's included no. in that. It's who you are. Yeah. It's not just a, yeah. impacting our jobs, but we're impacting our community, our world. And having something like this, like I, I just can't wait to when I have a daughter and be able to show her like, wow, mommy, this is what my mom does. You know, that can actually put a yeah. picture and a face and a hairstyle to this is my mom. Exactly. She Sometimes I have a wig exactly. on, sometimes I have a fro on, but she is a nurse and she's on yeah. the book, yeah. you know, and, and this is, this is what we need. And I'm so, so honored and so blessed to have you on this show to talk about, you know, the risks that you took and talk about what you're doing and how you are changing our healthcare, especially for nurses and how we view our roles in the world and in society now. Um, So as we wrap up, I want you to share with us, how can people reach you? Like, where are you? Um, I know I Googled you and I found you. So I want other nurses to know (laughs) what platforms you're on, whether it's social media, your website, so they can be able to um, reach out to you, network with you and see the amazing things that you're doing. And especially for, you know, other companies who want to have this house call course like uh, I want them to know how to reach you because only you can do you oh absolutely yes so, so the best way to reach me is directly through my website and I, I'll give you the website and also give you my email but the website is www.drlawson l-a-w-s-o-n n is in nc p is in paul that's drlawsonnp.com and my email is Dr. Lawson, that's D-R-L-A-W-S-O-N, at drlawsonnp.com. And social media, Twitter, and on um, Facebook, Nola the Nurse, and Twitter, it's drlawsonnp, and IG, it's dr underscore lawson underscore np and Nola the Nurse as well as on IG. And um, let's say LinkedIn, it's Charmaine Lawson. And Facebook, it's Dr. Charmaine Lawson, NP. And Nola the Nurse is on Facebook as well. Let me know when I'm missing. Let's see Facebook. <laughs> There's so many I platforms. I think if they just Google you, Dr. Lawson, all of them will come up. But yes, you're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, and I'll yeah. also be having you on my website as well. So an easy link to your page. So people, if they are, um, you know, after listening to this amazing interview and they want to know more, they can definitely click on and find out more about you. But I want you to definitely for nurses out there, whether you're an inspiring nurse, a student nurse, or you already on the field, 
what inspiration and encouraging words can you give them, especially those who might finding a struggling time right now to, you know, know what their calling is in this, in this field, or if they have an idea and they just don't know how to go about it, what kind of inspiration or encouragement can you drop before we wrap up this interview? I would just like to say that if you have a dream or you have something that you're really, really wanting to see come to fruition, just don't give up. And I know that may seem like really cliche-ish, but it's, it's really not. You have to keep believing in your dream, even when nobody else will, because you're the only one that can execute it. At the end of the day, when you have employees, they're not going to have your vision and your mission. They're there to get a check. So you have to constantly believe in your dream and execute it, even when nobody else around you believes in you. Mm. And I think that is probably the hardest thing to do when you're the only one But at the end of the day, all you got is you, right? And your dream. And if you don't execute it or believe in it enough to execute it, then it's never going to happen. And and so that's one. And two, about those dark times, I've said it before in this, you know, in this interview is that they're going to come and there, you you may be there now, but there's light there has to be light that emerges. Mm -hmm. It doesn't stay dark all the time. So just know that the light is coming. And if you believe that, then it will come. It's going to come. It can't stay dark all the time. So just believe in that and, and, and keep hope in that. And you will soon see that, you know what? Okay all right, this burden is getting a little lighter. Help is on the way. You know, things things turn. Things turn. And, and I'm a witness. I've been around long enough to know that it's not bad always. You can't, you can't have bad all the time. You know, there's light. I've had a lot of, you know, bad times in my life. And, and I've seen the light come, you know, days later, sometimes minutes later when it's an emergency, you know. So just, just hang in there. Um, keep believing. And you know, surround yourself around people who believe in you, who love you, and who want to support you. And 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 you'll you'll make it. But but you you can't expect people to do the work for you. You have to execute your own dream. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast episode. There were so many gems dropped. But let's be honest, who got time to replay, pause, and write down all that information shared? Shoot, I know I don't. But don't worry, I got you. Download Toby Talks app on Google Play for nursing resources, definitions, and so much more that were mentioned on today's episode. Toby Talk app features show notes that timelines the conversation and lets you click directly to the resource or definition. And it even lets you bookmark the gem for later. Listen, we're too busy learning how to save lives or even saving lives as nurses to deal with a replay button. Toby Talk app is your one-stop shop for podcast episodes and show notes. For more on Toby Talks, like the blogs and videos, go to my website at www.tobytodge.com. And you know I love to hear from you guys, so feel free to slide into my DMs on IG or Facebook and hit me up through email. That's tobytalks at tobytodge.com. Again, that's tobytalks at tobytodge.com. Till next time, I'll be talking to you soon.